when I'm not drinking bourbon or writing blues songs, I listen to the Sean Geek Podcast over on seanmcginnity.ca, and you should too. Welcome to the Sean Geek and Fast Fret Podcast with me, your host, Sean Geek. Sean. Seanorama. Blin Shriek. Hey, did you guys know I did a uh, a pirate... <laughs> pirate? Yeah, I guess. A pirate podcast over on Spotify. Yep. I was trying out their service. And you know I don't like Spotify. But... What they always say is that you need to test something. You need to expose yourself to something in order to be able to comment on it. So I tested and it isn't very good. I mean, it's okay. It's fine. I mean, for a beginner podcaster, it's pretty good. But there are far too many complications with it to convert to there from somewhere else. It doesn't convert over it well at all and it's missing... uh, bunch of features but i mean you know it's a free service and you get what you pay for when it's free you you get what you pay for so anyway this is the second solo episode of the series music that broke me inspired by mr eric senich and his wonderful episode which I should actually quote it here. I haven't yet. And actually when the episode, the first episode was released, which was yesterday, I didn't put a link to it. So I'm going to fix that today. Um, Let's see. So episode 83 of the Booked on Rock podcast was called Music Quake, the most disruptive moments in music by Robert DeMary. Great idea for a book. Great interview. I mean, it's Eric Senich, so, you know, it's always just going to be good, period. Um, And it was a truly inspiring episode. Again, everything I do on this show, I get inspiration from everyone around me from this amazing, amazing podcast group. And I get inspiration continuously from the scene as you as you would call it, and um, it's one of those moments, so last episode, if you listened, if you didn't, go back, but you don't need to listen to the previous episode to listen to this one, that is for sure, we talked about the movie Pump Up the Volume and how it broke me musically, and um, because it wasn't just, it wasn't just a movie, there was so much about it that was otherworldly world-changing and, and world-breaking for me that um, it, it impacted everything I do. I do a podcast, probably because I wanted to be Happy Harry, hard on. 
I listen to the Pixies. I listen to Leonard Cohen. I listen to Concrete Blonde. This episode kind of comes off of this one. But that's all that's the only preamble you'll need. So basically what's going on here is off of the back of that film and its inspiration and me as a human being trying to do and experience the lessons I've learned from that film and from the soundtrack and from the bands that I've recently discovered. And this is also my time in Montreal when things were a lot different and I learned to embrace the geek within me and the uncool kid within me and realized that the uncool kid is actually the coolest kid in the room. From there, I was listening to everything. Now, one of the big things that happened at this time was as you as if you listen to the last episode I used to work in a bookstore and I was in the receiving department there I finally progressed to the receiving department it was a lot of fun and I used to see all the magazines that were coming in and kind of take a look at them before they were put out and there was one magazine uh, CMJ, like, oh, let's see what, if I know what it stands for, College Music Journal, perhaps, CMJ Magazine came with a CD, every issue, now, it was a more expensive magazine, you know, um, probably added another $5 to the cover price at the time, perhaps more, In in the end, it was a lot more, uh, and I actually did subscribe until... I stopped subscribing, but that magazine was, was really good, but the, the CD that came with it, it was really inspired. Like if you want to talk about mix making, which is kind of what this episode's about, this is when I, my musical palette totally blew up and expanded and I was making mixes, mixes to capture my moods. And um, I built a mix called Writer's Fucking Block. And on it, it was the spinoff of Pump Up the Volume. And it was the discovery of CMJ Magazine. And it was... It was... It was Montreal. And it was accepting that I'm a writer or something. And the mix that I built eventually became a book. And I started writing. And this book was going to be my my tour de force. This was going to be my less than zero. This was going to be my Bright Lights Big City. You name any dysfunctional first novel by a dysfunctional author. <laughs> And this was the book I was going to write. And the soundtrack that constantly played were, was the son- soundtrack that I built. Which I called, again, Writer's Fucking Bullock. And I listened to all the bands on here as well. So not just like not just the individual songs, but I went back and... And and I went into deep dive into many of the artists on here. But the main one 
was the Pixies. So after discovering the UK surf wave of mutilation on the pump volume soundtrack, I went into a Pixies deep dive. And interestingly enough, I also um, found a comrade in arms. I'm not going to say the name on here because I don't want to embarrass her. She probably doesn't listen to this. I'm sure she doesn't. She probably doesn't even know, doesn't even remember me anymore. But um, this lady had a amazing influence on me, musically speaking. So she was feeding me some of this music as well. And she fed me the Pixies album. My first Pixies album. <laughs> and... Wow. <laughs> and it wasn't... It ended up not being my favorite album. I mean, no, it it is like... There isn't a single album of theirs that I do not like. Of course. But... Um, Doolittle was the one that she... She made me a mix tape and she put Doolittle on there and the whole album and then she put some other stuff. But that's a whole other episode. But what I... The album that I went and bought, so it's like, okay, I've heard, I, I, I've, I've heard Doolittle, I like it, so then I went out and purchased my own Pixies tape at the time, because this is pre-CDs, and I found the album that broke me, and... It was really weird because it was one of those albums where you hear it and it helps you discover discover other music. So this was uh, Boss, uh, no, no, oh my God, Trompe le Monde, which had this weird cover on it with a, with an eyeball in a, in a, I don't know, like a mountainside or something. It was like this really weird, art project and keeping in mind that I was used to do little and the kind of poppy do was, was really poppy. But then when I put on trompe le monde, holy shit, <laughs> it was like there was, there was an intensity to Frank black on here that was, it was aggressive. It was so aggressive. And he had moments of aggressiveness on Doolittle, don't get me wrong, but this whole album had an aggressive streak to it. And there's a, like, I really love this album. And there's a few incredible standouts. And I took that aggression and put that into my mix and built a mix around it. And it was really how I felt about the world at the time. And the songs that I put into this mix, not realizing where this mix was going to lead to, um, it just, it was my state of mind. And as I was listening to this mix, and it was like, wow, this is the best mix I've ever made. Because, you know, as you're, when you're a kid, back in those days when you were a kid, nowadays you're making playlists and you're picking songs in a playlist. and But 
making a perfect mix was all about the sequence of songs and having the right song after the right song. And you couldn't insert a song in unless it fit. The making of a mix was, uh, to quote High Fidelity, was, you know, it was an art form. So I made this mix. And, and interestingly enough, there was a period after there, because, I mean, I was just a young kid here at the time still. There was a period of time where I was making mixes for people and I was selling the mixes for people to get. And the whole point of it was, look, you need to hear these bands. You need to hear these songs. And you need to, after you have this mix from me, you are going to go out and you are going to go buy the songs that stood out for you. You're going to go find the artist. You're going to go buy their CDs. You're going to go down the deep, dark rabbit hole that I often go down musically. And you're going to expand your horizons. And that was the whole point of these mixes. And they weren't built to be the most popular hits at the time. They were meant to be the bands that you should be hearing. And interestingly enough, some of them became big, not based off of my mixes, of course. But, you know, when a band is that good, eventually they blow up, right? So, I guess I should just start with this one. So this is my favorite song of all time by my favorite band of all time off of my favorite album of all time by that band. There's something about this song This is a song about something there We did the clubs with ass I was hoping to have her in a sack I was looking handsome She was looking like an erotic vulture I was all dressed in black She was all dressed up in black Everything was fine down here What you call it here Call what you will here Way down in this subculture Subculture. 
<laughs> so if you're familiar with, I don't know, anything off Doolittle and you hear this song, you're like, what the fuck happened? Um, incredibly aggressive. Incredibly aggressive. Um, but man, just that bass that running through that song, the boom, 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 just, oh, just like through your ribs, you can feel it rattling your heart and your rib cage. The, uh, just the histrionics of the, of, of Joey Santiago and guitar, like, like, I'm like, okay, I liked the Pixies before. I love the Pixies now. I got to get me more. And that album completely and utterly just changed my perceptions of music and utterly and completely changed the way I was writing music. The songs I wrote after this period were quite a bit different. Now, unfortunately, as a not guitar player, I uh, I, I struggled with getting the, the soundscape that I wanted but boy, did I, I wanted to be Dave Lovering, the drummer for the Pixies, so fucking bad. Um, I emulated everything from this album in my playing style. I got rid of the uh, typical, you know, 4-4 four, four time um, ACDC or whatever. Um, simple, simpler drum beats. And uh, I just started going hard. And and being improvisational in the playing, which I feel he's very improvisational. Um, he's going with what the song needs at that moment in time based on how it's feeling. It sure feels that way to me. So this was basically the gist of my little mix that I made that eventually inspired the book that I wrote, the first serious book that I wrote. And... Oh, I mean, go back, like rewind the episode or whatever you got to do. Like you can hear it right there. It is fucking insane. And the whole album's amazing. Um, it's not the one that's often spoken about. And this is so good that I'm going to play another song here. <laughs>
other songs that um that popped up on that popped up on here and it was the I wanted to start I wanted to start the mix in a particular way to get a certain vibe and at the time I was reading everything I could Brad Easton Ellis uh Jay McKierney um I was reading um uh Bukowski I was reading um the, like the beat authors I was reading a lot of like trippy stuff all right so this was along that same and this is like another forebear another another um another important band another important artist that really broke me as well and i also went down the big rabbit hole of buying everything that she had released um pj harvey Polly jean was different when we're talking about alternative um it doesn't get much more alternative than Polly jean harvey she was just world changing for me um women women had a particular role to play in music or at least one that was imposed upon them they had to be the pretty girl they had to be had to be gussied up they had to have their boobs all over the place they had to wear the tightest dress and Polly Jean came along and okay let's just like flip this on its head let's sing about different things let's be unique i mean there was Polly Jean there was also Tori Amos um Sarah McLaughlin they were all coming forward and they were just literally breaking the foundation of music with what they did um no th those are all great artists but uh PJ was the one for me that just had a complete don't give a shit what people think of me attitude she was making music that was important it was just it was it was dirty and when i say dirty i don't mean dirty that way it was just grimy and it was raw and it was aggressive and it was angsty and it was just full of emotion and she continuously reinvented herself from album to album to album because she was not content playing the same thing over and over again um now i think everyone's heard of the pixies because the pixies basically popularized um prepared us sonically for what would come later with nirvana and nirvana went on to much larger success but at its heart they're just a pixies you know a pixies clone band and, and even kurt cobain kind of said the same thing and i can see the comparison and i do like nirvana don't get me wrong but the pixies are just a bit more pure for me um but anyway um so for so those that don't know who pj harvey is um she released dry and rid of me and rid of me is the one that i is to believe is the one that is the first one i got yeah rid of me and the album cover i see this it, it, it's it's androgynous looking and she's flicking her hair um 
which which appears to be wet. And it's not like it's 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 not a cheesecake photo. It's a look look me in the fucking eye. Just ah. I don't know. <laughs> it's really fucking cool. Um and then after that she released to bring you my love. <laughs> if you want to talk about if you want to talk about changing gears. So dry and rid of me were kind of similar in sound very raw and then to bring you my love brought this whole bossa nova sexy super bassy sound um it was just so just kind of farty farty sounding um and then uh is this desire which was totally like like even more experimental and then she had a more uh and in 2000 she put out stories from the city stories from the sea which was I, I think it was i think she was commercially accepted but this is the one where or not commercially accepted sorry um critically accepted but i think um to bring you my love brought her some success because she had a video and the video off this one was maybe more mainstream or, you know, enough to get people to hear her. But anyway, my introduction was rid of me. I went back and I picked up dry and, and then around, so around the release of this, I'm just trying to think of when I put this mix together, cause it would have been 90, 91, 92 and rid of me was released in 93. So to bring you my love wasn't even uh concept when I'd come up with this yeah I'm an old guy don't hate the old anyway so this is the song I think there's enough way more than enough preamble here so this song is called Hook and um, be prepared to have your ribcage rattled <laughs> Thank you. 
I tell you, man, you, you hear a song like that and it forever changes you. And uh, you hear an artist like that and you're like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Now, there's other songs that I put on this mix that um, I feel don't hold up and there's no way in hell I would ever... I think one of the reasons where I didn't put this together as a compilation, a true compilation to give to people to say, hey, take a listen to this music, was I had made a discovery of a couple bands, incredibly mainstream bands, but to me, I didn't know they were mainstream enough because, hey, I grew up in Podunk, New Brunswick, right? So, um, and I still have the cassette in front of me. I'm actually literally looking at it right now. So this cassette is like from 1990. And um, there are certain things I definitely wouldn't put on here anymore. The The next song, it's one of those things where I went and bought their CD or their cassette, I guess, at the time. And I really, really like this song. This one came off of a CMJ. And I was actually, I was, um, while we were listening to the last song, I was just kind of looking up to see if I could find, I have all the CMJs burnt and put into a folder onto my computer, but um, for some reason I can't seem to search very well. But they showed up on one of the editions of CMJ Magazine Monthly, and this song popped up, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Blew me away. Love the song. Um, now, I'm not a big rap person, but this one really hit me. And um, the lyrically speaking... Um, was good and this was different than the rap that I was exposed to this was different than that because it I could be wrong but it really sounds like it's a full band playing here uh, stand up bass um, uh, really sound sound cool sounding keyboard um, nice sax actually a tastefully tasteful sax and it's like wow I never heard anything of like this before and everything about it, there was there was a story being told. There was multiple characters. You were introduced to them one by one by one. And they each had a completely different sing rap style. And it was like, wow, this is cool. And and some of them were more like singers. 
and some of the more rappers. And I went and bought the cassette. Didn't like it, I guess, because maybe it's just too much rap for me. I mean, I, I like rap in... I like rap in, in little small segments, I guess. But this one hit every single thing that I wanted to see in rap, this particular song. Um, this made it onto the original writer's fucking block mix and then eventually made it onto the soundtrack. So what's what's the soundtrack I'm speaking of? So based off the mix I'd made, I started writing my first serious novel called I'm a Writer or Something. Truly inspired by Brady Snell's and Jay McKierney and the beat writers. And it was the story of uh, a gentleman who was living life on autopilot. He was being, he had two friends that they would ask him to do something. And he said, sure. And he would just kind of coast. Um, and he writes, he, he suffers a, a grievous injury. And while he's injured, uh, under after the prompting of his best friend, he decides to write a book. And he, it's written in the haze of being in the hospital and all this sort of stuff. And when the book is done, he basically kind of doesn't even remember writing it. It was kind of freehand, kind of very loose, very in the moment, very raw. And he kind of forgets about it. And then later what happens is his friend goes and gets it published and says, hey, you're a writer now. And, you know, the idea, I'm a writer or something, because he doesn't consider himself a writer. And then he goes on this journey of fame. He's becoming famous as this writer. Um... And he's kind of like, but I'm not a writer. I'm just, I wrote something, but I'm not a writer and I'm not a celebrity. I'm not famous, but I'm treated like that. And there was this fake vacuousness to the world he was part of. And then he has a, you know, whatever. I don't want to spoil the book, but this was, I wrote a soundtrack. So basically the idea was that I weaved a soundtrack through the book and every key scene had a key song and this was one of the key songs so let's take a listen to inner city boundaries by freestyle fellowship Disappear from here and end up in 
step into the boundary I stand in the snow around all these towns I see blessing all that I found the key That's how we be The sharpshooting wizard, but not a grand dragon A chop off the block, but my pants ain't sagging Got a strong ass grip, but my name ain't money grip Like Gladys better when she sang with the pips And when it comes to strength, I'm surely of the stronger And when it comes to death, I pray my children live longer Payback's a bitch, that's why I never borrow If the push comes to shove, I do a stick up tomorrow With the group thing over and my flat top gone I'm living kinda lovely, only a law above me Proving that old time axiom Birds of a feather flock together Know where I'm coming from song so much that I learned how to rap it not very well I also learned how to play it on the drums I was learning how to play it on keyboard and I ended up writing a song that I wanted to kind of capture this vibe which hmm maybe I could include that here we'll see we'll see I'm not really sure in 2000, I did a solo album, quote-unquote solo album, where I played all the instruments except for Todd provided some assist on a few tracks. But I wrote the entire thing by myself to prove that I could write an album by myself. 
um, after my years of being salty bear. Um, but yeah, that's a good song, isn't it? And it's fucking phenomenal. Okay, on to the next one. Um, now this is also, it was shortly after this period that I discovered, not discovered, but came to appreciate the Beastie Boys. Now, I didn't like the Beastie Boys. I didn't. Fight for a right to party. I'm like, okay, these guys kind of seem like douchebags. <laughs> and, um the whole vibe they were pulling in that video, which I didn't realize until later that they were kind of, maybe it was more social commentary. It was more of a spoof. It was whatever. <clears throat> so the first album licensed ill comes out and they're like the biggest band in the world. And of course I'm not liking bands that are the biggest band in the world. And I'm not liking rap at the time. And then they released Paul's Boutique. And I'm like, okay, they went off the rails. But, you know, here I am, I'm listening to stuff. And then I'm, I was very, very critical of music back then. I was very, very um, on a podium. You know, this band sucks, this band rocks. And then they released Check Your Head. Now, it was gifted to, to me. The cassette was gifted to me. And I'm like, oh. Beastie Boys, really? Whatever. But to be a nice person, I actually put it on. And I was blown away, man. I'm like, wait a minute. And so I look at the credits, I'm like, they're playing instruments? So my thought back then was everything was a sample. There was no real instruments on rap music. And that it was just a pilfering of other people's ideas with a rap over top. That was my opinion at the time. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that had that opinion at the time. I don't feel the same way now, not even close, but I didn't like my favorites band, my favorite bands being pilfered and their music taken away and remixed. And then all of a sudden the remix has, is a bigger hit and the band makes zero money off of it. That was my opinion at the time. But check your head completely changed me.
anyway, so moving on to there, the other band I discovered at this time was, you know, Radiohead. They had that huge monster killer track called Creep. I'm not going to play that one because everybody knows it. Um, I heard that song. I'm like, holy shit, like these guys are good. And then I saw the video and I think the way it was marketed and the way the band was marketed and with Nirvana being out at the time, I think there was a bit of um there was a bit of a thing going on where everybody wanted Kurt Cobain clones and he Tom York looked like a Kurt Cobain clone in that video. You know, you couldn't see his eyes and and you know and he's talking about being a creep. And then, of course, Nirvana had that song called Negative Creep. And I'm like, <sighs> so I wasn't, I mean, I liked the song, but I thought they might have been one hit wonderish. And then Dan, who was with me in Salty Bear, um, I think he bought the cassette and he lent me the cassette and I started listening to it. And he, I think he really, really liked it. And he was trying to get me to listen to a bunch of songs. And, um, and he played me a couple and one of them he played was called you. And, um, and it was, it was because, you know, we had a song called, we had a song called you and, um, I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. You know? And then, um, I listened to this version I'm like, Oh, I really like this. And then I started listening to another song, which I'm going to play right now. And anyway, two of these songs made it onto the mix. You was one of them, and this was the other one.
that radio, uh, Pablo Honey, the the Radiohead album, was really really good, and uh, I I think people kind of don't talk about it on the same level as you know their next many albums, but it is really really solid and really really good and really really worth talking about. Um, the next two songs I'm going to play is my introduction to punk and pop punk. So my friend who introduced me to the Pixies with Doolittle <coughs> also introduced me to No Effects. And I'm like, okay, no effects, what's no effects? So I was going to the Albert. I was checking out many, many shows. I was watching Propaganda play there. I was watching Red Fisher. I was watching um, 12 Eyes. I was watching, um, uh, oh my God, Furnace Face. I was watching um, all these great, incredible, incredibly talented and energetic punk bands playing at the Albert. And this is my introduction to the Albert, which I never would have gone on unless my friend dragged me along. And I was being exposed to so much music. So this was the other side. And this, <clears throat> there is a whole other episode that's going to happen outside of this one. But this was kind of my introduction to punk a little bit. The other band, uh, Propagandy, that's a whole other episode, man. So, but this particular ditty... Um, this particular album uh, was, I think there was like two or three albums that were put into a mix for me from my friend. Um, and this was one of the songs she had chosen and uh, put this on the mix for me. And I'm like, wow, these guys are cool. I didn't like the singer's voice. I came around to it later. But um, I like the idea of it, and I was kind of this is sorry this is off ribbed the ribbed album, which is is, is really good. Uh, anyway, um, here is "Don't Want You Around," and it fit thematically within the soundtrack. Get it out of your head You follow us around 
end with this one. This one was a, a ladder, later ladder, whatever, arrival onto the mix. And there was this band that, and there's a whole story about this, which I did a whole episode about this particular song. Um, you can go back and listen to the history of it, but um, the girl I was dating at the time was also bringing me music and introducing me to things, and she was the one that introduced me to Beastie Boys. Check your head. And she also introduced me to a couple of other bands. And these are... Um, this is one of them. So the album was called Swain's First Bike Ride. The band's name was 15. And I've got all that information wrong. And when I made the mix and put it on here, because I had the cassette, um, I got everything completely wrong. Um, which is hilarious. But anyway, um, I thought the, I thought the name of the song was Wayne's first bike ride. And that's all I knew. And I spent years trying to actually find the band, find the song until Matt found it for me. Thank you, Matt. Anyway, this is the song that really got me. It's really raw. It's really, it sounded very, it reminded me a lot of Salty Bear at the time, just even more polished than we had. And so this song is called Intentions.
song here this is I, I, I gotta get going but um the other song that was introduced to me by uh my girlfriend at the time thank you thank you thank you for all the music you brought me you made me listen to a lot of things i never would have listened to otherwise um and this was another one there was a band called coffin break they were a seattle band i believe but they didn't sound like the seattle bands they had a completely different song sound and I really, really liked this song. Um, I was full of heartbreak at the time, man. I just couldn't. I was striking out in love. And I just felt that I wasn't cool enough. I wasn't good enough. And I wasn't. And I was frustrated. Because in Montreal, people liked me. And in Winnipeg, when I moved back here, I had just had to try a lot harder. Um. And I had to hide some of the things that I thought were cool that Montreal made me realize were cool. But I don't know. There's a, there's a speed limit to, to, to things here in Winnipeg for some reason. I don't know why that is, but in the romance department, no one, it was hard for someone to want to take a chance on, on a weirdo like me. And I don't know. This song kind of hit, so this song is called For Beth. It's by a band called Coffin Break. you 
And that's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Next episode, 400. Don't worry, Fast Right, we'll be back. Some stuff's going on. I don't want to go into it here. If he wants to talk about it next episode, he can talk about it all he wants, but I don't want to impose um, his uh, personal stuff with you guys. But he's back for next episode. The big four oh oh. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the flip side. Fans of the Sean Geek Podcast, this is the Core Geek talking at you. Did you know that the Sean Geek Podcast has merch available? That's right. Head on over to SeanMcGinnity.ca and click the merch link at the top of the page. You'll be taken to the Sean Geek Podcast store on TeePublic, where you can find the Sean Geek Podcast logo on t-shirts, totes, masks, and more. And best of all, a portion of the sales goes to help support the podcast and allow Sean and Todd to keep bringing great content your way. Once again, go to SeanMcGinnity.ca and click the merch link at the top of the page. And while you're there, don't forget to download the latest episode.